0: Good morning. My name is Jeff Stadola. The scripture reading today comes from the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. I will be reading from chapter 12, verses 4 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophecy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God Or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Check, check. Is it on? Well, good morning. This is a new spot for me to be in today. So when are the is the audio or the screens working good? All right, technology's on our side. So when Bill asked me if I would want to teach as part of the Holy Spirit series, this is the first thing that came to mind. So I wanted to invite you into my brain and for a second. So let's watch this.
0: How much? Oh, uh, 208 times 27.2.7. 2.7. 2.7 million. What? <gasps> no, it's 27. That's 27 million. It's 27 million dollars worth of coal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Got the Holy Spirit. You should get on it. It's a good train. The so reason I say that often, got the Holy Spirit, it's a good train. Okay, then the next, immediately after that, I was like, okay, so if I'm going to preach at Grace 242, the Simpsons need to be involved. So true confessions. I've probably watched an episode and a half in total my entire life. So sorry, Bill. So I googled Simpsons and I found something. So let's watch this.
0: You are on a quest for knowledge. Who said that? fear not homer i am your spirit guide are you there is a lesson you must learn if it's about laying off the insanity peppers i'm way ahead of you
1: so I promise that is relevant, both of those clips, even though they were fun to share. It's kind of how we view the Holy Spirit sometimes, right? It's this like really crazy, out-of-control person that's just like blurting out and we're like, whoa, what's going on with them? Or it can be this very mystical pilgrimage that we take and this guide that we have to ascend to this the top of this pyramid and seek out and say these magical things and then our guide will appear and um, so, there's obviously lots of different perspectives, even in popular media culture, about this idea of the Holy Spirit. So, will you pray with me, and then we'll dive into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Father, I'm so thankful for this space and for this time set aside. I thank you for each and every person here. We believe in your sovereignty and in your perfect timing. I believe everyone is here, and I am standing here under your sovereign will and care. So God, will you speak through me? I open myself up and just say that I'm a willing servant. Will your spirit speak to us? Thank you that your word never returns void. So we can claim that as we walk into this time together today. Again, I just come with gratitude for your spirit, even the mystery of it, even um, and this idea of prayer and, and intimacy with you. God, we want to know just a bit more about what was purchased on our behalf on the cross. Thank you again for this time to go exploring and to get curious and hopefully fall in love with you even more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Bill started off this series first talking about this really beautiful concept of our creator God and this massive universe that he created and that we at the best telescopes that we have still aren't actually able to fully tell us what's going on in the universe. That is how big and how vast our God is. And that same God has made his residence up in us and has chosen to live within us. Mind-blowing, if we actually think about that. It can be a little scary, actually, so we're going to talk a little bit about that later. But, And then the next week, we talked about the Garden of Eden and the tabernacle. And I loved how he tied those two together. And it's about the intimacy and the relationship with the Creator, the presence of God with his people right? There's a beautiful garden. And I i don't know about you, but I had never heard that there was garden imagery on the side of the tabernacle. Have any of you heard that? I was like, this is incredible. This is amazing. So there's this idea of being called back to the garden, that the garden was never—we were never meant to be fully separated from the garden, that God continued to bring the Garden of Eden with his his presence, with us. There's this loving faithfulness that we see in that. So now we're going to go into this, okay, this meaning. Jesus said, because of what happened on the cross, he and Rose again, hallelujah. Now there's this really complex thing he says to his his followers, to his disciples at that time in John 16. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and then I'm just going to jump down. And it says, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, oh, I'm sorry, I missed the part, but it is better for me, verse 7, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate or the helper won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And if you can imagine, put yourself in the seat of the disciples, like, Jesus just rose from the dead. Like, how much better can it get? How much more powerful? How much more of an advocate can we get than the one who raised from the dead? There's a there's a bit of a confusion and a, a loss of, like, what, is, what does that even mean? And then there's this bit of time before the Pentecost actually comes, this time of Pentecost. So then we go into this idea of um, what do we do now? okay, we believe these things in theory, we hear these stories, and something with it resonates within us, this idea of Jesus dying and inviting us into a relationship with him. But there can still be some things, um, a beautiful image that I've seen often and heard about is that it's basic, that our walk with God is a bit like a, a garden, and our hearts are a bit like soil. And so there's lots of seeds planted, and there's lots of, we don't make the growth happen, but we can help tend the soil, if that makes sense. So we can pull out the weeds, we can tend to it. And if we don't, if we neglect that, that can potentially hinder the growth that happens. So I'm going to take us a little bit just on this general idea of what we're looking at with the soil. What are some things that um, we need to be reminded of? What's the foundation? So there's three things, because I heard that's what you do with sermons. (laughs) You have three points. So so I was like, sure, I'll pull together three things, right? Okay. So the first is our identity is secure. And this is, like, my greatest joy to talk through that. And then we'll go into you are created unique and with a purpose. Jim, I love what you said. I was like, yes and amen. We can all go home. That's exactly. And then um, three, the gift is the spirit. So we'll go through that all together. But the first is I have a chart. We're going to go to school a little bit. So one of my greatest joys of my life so far was working with college students at a university. And I would meet with them quite often. And almost every time I met with a student, I would draw, either I was on a napkin or on a piece of paper, but I really felt like God gave me, I'm a very visual person, so God gave me this very clear picture of this is what the gospel is. This is the good news of the gospel. So I would first start off with this little stick figure. Get ready for some impressive artwork. (laughs) So here I am. Ta-da! Ta-da! So, and then I would ask them, okay, so based off of what you know about yourself, what you believe about yourself, and what, what would other people say about you? you? Give us some terms. Give me some some things. So, I'm just, I'll do myself, right? Like, so, actually, that's, I, I'm i going to do Reese, but we'll do a guy because he doesn't want to wear a skirt. <laughs> that's not fair. So, um, he, he is funny. You get to know him. He's, just a great person. So he's a hard worker. He's a great dad, and the list can go on and on. It can. I'm compassionate. So. We would keep brainstorming. What do people say about you? What do you think about you when things come to mind? Sometimes it's harder than you think to think of things. So I even encourage you, what would you say about yourself? So then the problem is, though, with this being the things that describe us, so the things that come to mind first, is that what if there's a day when he's not funny? There are days when he's not funny, right? Or when he is, we just are having a hard day with Luce. It's just not an easy day. It's not an easy, great, winning parent day. Or he doesn't, he feels like he failed at work. Or he's not so compassionate, maybe a little bit irritable. The problem is all of these things, I would ask them, which ones of these things are based off of what you do? And then we would go through it. How do we know? Okay. And then really kind of the, the point is that all of them are based off of what we do. So the problem with these is, If they're at the very core of our identity, we're going to be in trouble. There's going to be this endless chase of proving and earning our identity and our worth. So it needs to be, we want to be anchored in something more solid, something that's been done on our behalf. So that would be, again, we would dialogue a lot, but for sake of time. So it would be loved. Enough. (laughs) Seen. Known. And then ultimately, child of God. Those are the unshakable things that we can walk into every day with confidence knowing these are the, this is true of me. This is true. So no matter what seasons come and go, whether I had a great performance day or not, these are the things that are true. So another, another, I'm gonna flip the chart. The next picture that I would show them is of a cylinder this is you is what i would say and i would say that most of us living in america would say that are that we're pretty full we wouldn't i think most of us would have a hard time saying that our cylinders totally we have nothing going for us nothing good but the lie that we can often get caught up in is that if i could just get this then i would be full it's it's marketing strategy it's the world that we live in, right? It's comparison. And it can be all sorts of things, right? Early on, it can be if I have a significant other. Maybe later on in life, it's like if I had a different significant other, right? If there's money, um, stuff, right? Um, beauty, you can see, it's pretty easy to catch on with the, what the world sells us, but there's also a Christian church version of this. If I just memorized more scripture, if I just went on more missions trip, if I was in more leadership, if I did more, then I would be more like that person that I'm trying to be, and I would be full. So you can see that this gets us into a very a tricky situation. The problem with this is we get a little bit more money. We get we get the latest iPhone, for example. And it's super fun, right, for like a month, and then they come up with a new one. So that's the issue, right, is that there's a hole in this cylinder. So we're actually left more empty than when we started because we thought that thing was going to complete us and fill us and make us full, and it didn't. It left us empty and wanting. So this can be, this is the lie of the enemy, this is the world that we live in. So this is not so good news. The good news of the gospel. It's my favorite part. Is
0: that this is actually our reality.
1: Is that we are already full. And not only full, we're overflowing. And not only overflowing, there's this consistent flow coming down. And again, if we were in a dialogue, I would say, what are some things, how do we speak specifically to these things? How does the gospel inform these things? So for money, the cattle on a thousand hills, we have our provider who will never leave us or forsake us, knows exactly what we need more than we do. We can have, then have a heart-to-heart with what we want, right? Keeping up with the Joneses, we can have that conversation, but as far as provision, we are always taken care of. And then we can go for all of these different things. Beauty, we are fearfully and wonderfully made that God did not make a mistake, that he is the artist and we are the canvas, right? So the the canvas would never say to the artist, you did a bad job, right? And then there's the significant other, that there is an intimacy with God that no human can meet or match or or compare to. So you can see where this is the abundance. And then on top of that, we have this whole thing of the fruit of the spirit. So there's love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self control. All things that are accessible to us, we are full. So, what takes us from here to here is belief this belief. So we live when we live in here, we're basically saying, it's not true. I'm not soaked under his goodness. It's not true. It's not true. He's not providing. It's not providing. And then there comes this grace-filled moment of faith when we open our hands and say, I believe and I receive. I believe and I receive that this is true. And then the rest of our lives is actually exploring this idea that I am living under this abundance. I am living under this reality. And you can see that this is this Holy Spirit, right? The, the connection there. So this is one of the things that can get into the soil. We can get pulled back into this, right? So, and I will t- share a scripture about that in just a minute. So that is one big piece. So we are, we. this is our reality today. This ripens us and opens us up to receive more and more of the Spirit, to more and more be in a posture of openness and surrender to allow the Spirit to do its work within us. So we are free. Good news? Good news of the gospel. Okay, so then there's this idea of what else gets in the way, what else gets in the soil, and I really believe one of the foundational things is fear. There's the fear of um, being misunderstood, fear of looking crazy like the guy at the luggage corral. There's this idea of losing friends, losing family. Lots of real fears that come into play with that. I also think this idea of God being raised from the dead and that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us can be a little intimidating. I don't know about you, but that feels like um, I'm Captain Marvel and all of a sudden I just got this like surge of like, has everyone seen Captain Marvel? I don't want to use references that people don't know. Anyways, she's like a superhuman, super woman power. And she like lifts spaceships and like flies off. It's like, it's crazy. So that can be a little bit of the intimidating, like, okay, so is it safe? Is it to really tap into this? So one of my favorite poems that kind of addresses this and has helped shape my thinking um, is, is called Our Deepest Fear. And it'll be up on the screen. So our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most brightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we were liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So there's this real invitation of holding both sides of that fear, fear of, fear of getting too close and fear of what that, the implications of what that means, even what might the Spirit ask you to do, where are you uncom- uncomfortable, or where are you comfortable? Then maybe he might make you uncomfortable. All those things are very real and kind of get into the soil and kind of get us choked out and and weeds get start to get in there. So then we're going to part two. Um, you are created with a unique purpose. So Um, Elizabeth, thanks for reading Psalm 139 this morning. And it's very important that we start there, that you were created unique and with a purpose. So we are really good at putting this up on nurseries or seeing a baby and going, fearfully and wonderfully made. What an incredible miracle. Look at those little hands and toes and fingernails. Then there starts to fade and it gets into more and more, what a sinner right? What a fallen, broken human, right? And while that it has a, a place, right, there's, there's this um, I do what I don't want to do. There's this tension. That belovedness, that fearfully and wonderfully made never goes away. Never, ever goes away. We are, and that God never, he, this is one of my favorite quotes about this. God didn't make us on a mass production line. He took great care in making us who we were meant to be. He had a purpose in mind for us even before we came into being. And I think there is something really important in our culture that we need to address, and that's the idea of shame. And shame gets into this very core of our identity. It challenges this. It attacks this. Guilt is a totally different subject, but shame separates us from God and from others. It gets us really into a mode of self-hatred. And that is very hard to then go into um, our freedom and our abundance and giving out of that. So I, I, again, there's like lots I could say about shame, but we'll, go, we'll just stay there. But as a Galatians 4, 7 says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and of a son then an heir through God. I think this language is important because it has to do with the fact that we were slaves, which slaves are bound. They are under a different master. But at the core of who they are, they're still image bearers. They're still children of God. They're just under a bondage outside of themselves. And so what Jesus comes is to liberate us and break us free from that and to live as children who are free. So that beloved uniqueness— We have been knit together. There's this very important reminder that what you care about, what you love, even when you were a kid, that's part of his unique wiring in you. That's a very important piece of this puzzle, is that you are strategically thought of, and even Ephesians 2.10 that says that we were created for good works ahead of time. There's such an intentional purpose behind that. And then as we, uh, one of my favorite tools about this is the Enneagram. And it's not because the Enneagram is um, anything close to like a Bible situation, but it's a tool that's used to help bring us back to this place of who we truly are. It's a way of being able to unpack who we really are, how we're wired, how we view the world, and even some of our blind spots, even some of the areas of growth that maybe people are experiencing us a certain way, but we can't see it. And this is one tool. I don't think it's for everyone, but I think there are there's a very important journey inward before we can go outward. So before we can talk about these spiritual gifts and how we use them and give them in the church, we have to go inward to see what is really going on. What, how do we view our relationship with God? How do we see the world? How are we driven? What, what kind of people are we drawn to when we pass them, when we're walking by them downtown? If we are, what breaks our hearts? And maybe that's connected to what breaks God's heart. Those things are really intentional, individual, and important. So that idea of going on that inward journey of unpacking your story, good and bad, and that the Isaiah 64, 8 that says, But now, O Lord, you are Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So seeing that the story was molding and shaping us, that there is a potter that is shaping us and molding us into something very specific and purposeful. I think that it's really important, um, this quote that says, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. That was a quote. Thank you. Good job. Um, so that can, be, that can potentially be pretty selfish. That can feel selfish. But if it's in light of I am created by God, and what makes me come alive is connected to his spirit and is connected to maybe the purposeful work that he has for me, then there's a different way of looking at that. So for me, for example, I am an Enneagram type 4. I identify as that. That is a lens that I look at the world through. And it is not a box that I'm put in. It's a box that I'm already in. And then knowing about it allows me to live outside of that. So there's some things about being a 4. I have a heightened sensitivity of people's where they're at emotionally. I can read a room very well. And that comes out of the pain of my story that comes from like you better know what's coming and what's aware what you're what's going on so but with that can with this spirits alignment in that i can meet people in their story in a way that other people can't i can hold space for them i can hold empathy for them i can say hey i'm sensing that something's heavy i would love to hear more about that that's a specific unique thing that i bring to the world that i believe is a spiritual gift it may not be one of the listed, but it's way that my story, my wiring, synced up with the Holy Spirit can be used for the edification of the body of Christ. So now we go into the idea of like that the Spirit is the gift. So I have some pictures of gifts. Okay, so we've been given this Holy Spirit gift, right? Like a Christmas present. And it's just handed to us and be like, all right, Jesus left and here's the Spirit. And we can be like, okay, what do we do with this thing, right? Um, or And then sometimes, the next picture, we can go, thank you so much. And then you never unwrap it. You just hold it and be like, I got this present. I got this thing. Isn't it cool? Look at it. But we never take the time to unwrap it and get curious about it and go, what in the world is this thing? And what does it mean for us? So... There's some important things about that that I'm going, we're going to explore in some of the passages that we read, even this morning. But there's an amazing book um, called The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. It's by Sam Storms, and I highly recommend it. It says, Biblical literacy and theolo- theological naivete have reached epidemic proportions in the church today. But more mo- knowledge is needed. M- mere doctrine won't suffice. What the church need is truth set aflame by the power of the holy spirit so it's this idea of um john four twenty three through 24 that says but the hour is coming and is now here when the worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth That there needs to be both and i think we've all been part of churches potentially that have either erred totally on the side of truth or totally on the side of spirit has anyone been in one of those two places no one Okay, I get some smiles, though, so, and my husband raised his hand, so thanks for that. Um, but I have been. I've been in truth, 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 and then I've been in spirit, whatever, let's go. And I think there is something about both that is, that is what was intended. So when we look at the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians twelve, four through 12, um, also Jim pointed this out, which I love, so that we are... I think that might be on the screen, but maybe not. I don't think it is. Okay, so, but it said that the spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And this idea that the Spirit is one, that the gift is the Spirit. Just like when we were talking about the Garden of Eden, just like we were talking about the tabernacle, the gift is the presence of God. The gift is the ultimate gift that Adam and Eve had was intimacy and communion and conversation with God. Not this amazing, legit garden. Not awesome food. Not a cool job. Like, this intimacy and conversation with God. That was the gift. Now, the same is with the Spirit. The gift is the Spirit, and it it makes itself manifest in lots of different ways. Like how I used the example of my personality and the Holy Spirit coming alongside that, but also for specific times. There's sp- particular spiritual gifts, which uh, we can't go into all of the nitty gritties of that this morning, but there are specific gifts for specific times that we, I believe, that the Spirit imparts. And He lists out some of those the discernment of spirits, the gift of healing, the, all those different things. And I think it's really important that we included the verse just past it. It kind of breaks it in the Bible and says, like, one body many, with many parts and it kind of separates it from the gifts of the spirit but i believe it's really important that the whole when it says the human body has many parts but the many parts make up the whole body is this idea that this the it is part of this whole idea this whole concept and another quote from sam storms because i find him incredibly helpful and insightful on this subject Spiritual gifts are not God bestowing to his people something external to himself. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us, energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working his sovereign and gracious purposes through us. Spiritual gifts must never be viewed distinctly as if a God out there has sent something to us down here. Spiritual gifts are God's present. In, within, and through human thoughts, human deeds, human words, and human love. Again, in verse seven, it says that each has been given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So, in this strength society that promotes our own kingdom building, our individuality, we are being invited to build together this kingdom of God. It's very countercultural. And if we do not forget, um, may we not forget that we are created to function together. The body is not fully functioning if you do not do, um, and if you do not bring what you bring specifically to the table. So I wanted to specifically kind of end and wrap up the time with this idea that uh, in Galatians 13, so right after this spiritual gift passage, we look at 1 Corinthians 13. And I think that might be on... So if I speak in all the languages of earth and of angels, but don't love others, I will only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but did not love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So as we continue to kind of press into this idea of the Holy Spirit and also kind of dive in individually into our unique giftings, it's so important that part of that soil is love that we understand that there is this idea that, first, if we don't understand that we are loved, that there is a God that has woven our story and has loved us from the beginning and has knit us intricately and specifically together in our mother's womb, there's no way that we can then extend that love to those around us. It co- again, it comes inward and outward. We have to hold that. So um, I hope that this has helped. There is a foundation of why the Spirit is a thing and why we need it and what part it could potentially play in our lives individually and in the church. You deeply matter. As I was writing and thinking about what I was going to share, I was actually moved to the point of having to leave my computer and just worship. I was overwhelmed with the love that God had for you all and for me. May we get that. May that be the thing. May that be the driving force that everything else flows out of. Will you pray for me?